wanted to share a story that happened in 2010 when I was on a mission, a humanitarian mission in Haiti. We had gotten in country and done several things, gotten some orphans out and uh, run some other missions. And one morning I was asked by the 82nd Airborne if I would go on a food drop with them. And I said, sure, how long will it take? I was talking to the captain. And the captain said, it'll take about an hour. So I told my uh, number one, I told Bravo, I said, I'm gonna go on this food drop. I'll see you in an hour or so. We, I picked up my Steyrog rifle and I strapped on my Glock 17 and I actually left my tactical vest back at camp. I grabbed an extra magazine, rifle magazine, stuffed it in my pocket. And I had four Glock magazines plus one in the Glock and got on a Humvee with a bunch of soldiers and a bunch of trucks with rice and beans and headed into Port-au-Prince, Haiti. When we got into the area where we were gonna do the food drop, I noticed that there was a really tight choke point where there were really tight homes and a very narrow street. We were gonna pull into this area that had basically three roads, one coming in and another one going this way and one going to the right. And we were gonna set up shop there and. So we dismounted, the crowd started to accumulate. Now at this time in Haiti, there was over 300,000 killed and over 2 million displaced. And many of these people who were already impoverished before the quake were starving. And so they were very eager to get the rice and beans. But the problem in Haiti also is that 10,000 felons escaped from the penitentiary during the quake when it collapsed and they poured into the city of Port-au-Prince. And because of this, there was a lot of mayhem, a lot of rioting. They call them manifestos where they burn tires and whenever you see the tires burning in the distance you know that there's going to be trouble. Well as we, as we drove into this food drop area we didn't see any burning tires but we saw a the huge gathering begin. I actually told the lieutenant in charge, I said this is probably not a good place to drop food but he actually said the reason we're picking it is because we can control the crowds and I said well that's good. The downside to that is you can't control your exit easily. Well, a couple things happened while this food drop was going on before we got overrun. The first thing that happened was a lot of these males in Haiti were grabbing the rice bags that weighed about 50 pounds or 100 pounds from the women who couldn't carry them. They would intercept them. Once we'd hand them a bag of rice, they'd put it on their back and then they would steal the bag of rice and put it in a hut or a shed literally right next to where I was standing on top of this Humvee. And nobody was doing anything about this. And I finally got to the point where I could just feel my, you know, my blood pressure rising. And I, I went into the shack and I cleaned it out. And I told everybody at the point of a rifle, I said, get the rice and beans out of here. If you're gonna steal from people, it's not gonna be right next to us. So these men all took the rice and beans, gave me dirty looks and walked off with their goods. I wish I could have recaptured that and distributed it, but it just wasn't literally possible. Very frustrating. Another moment I remember where a, this very elderly Haitian woman was dragging her bag of rice with a little granddaughter, most likely. <clears throat> and she wasn't even out of the perimeter where we had some Constantino wire set up and it would be open so they could get out. 
she wasn't even out of the perimeter when she got mauled by two or three large Haitian males and they tried to steal her bag of rice and she's screaming in Creole, uh, Haitian Creole, at the top of her lungs, something. I jumped down from the Humvee and I grabbed one of the guys, slung my rifle, grabbed him by his belt and by the back of his shirt and I literally threw this kid, the younger version, uh, he wasn't huge, uh, over the Casatina wire and on the outside and I told him to, to get the heck out of Dodge, basically. It was a very frustrating circumstance, and, and one of the things that's come out of the, some of these food drops and some of this humanitarian aid is that, from what I understand, um, the LDS Church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, their bags of rice and beans and donations to these third world countries are smaller. They're like 10-pound bags, and that allows these people who are impoverished, already starving and weak, to take the rice and the beans and get away, most likely safely, most of the time. Uh, instead of a 100-pound bag, which they can barely transport because they don't have vehicles. Um, uh, another thing that happened, which was kind of interesting and kind of intense, but I'm glad I didn't have to shoot anybody this day. While I was on top of the Humvee, this large, about six foot eight Haitian guy walked out of some of this, this complex that was inside this choke point on my left side. And he opened this huge gate that was on the front of their door and he started to come into the compound and we had a, a mile a line a mile long and and I told him fay back monsieur fay back get back get back and he kept coming out so I went over to him and I, I jammed the gate against him and I said get back inside if you want rice and beans get in line and he gave me the hardest look and was like make me so I took my styrog, I shoved it up against the bottom of his chin, I charged the, the, the handle, I took the safety off and I put my finger on the trigger and I spoke to him in loving terms and told him to get back into his dwelling and lock the gate. And it was probably the slowest retreat and the slowest locking of any gate I've ever seen in my life. Belligerence at the top, yet the violence of action that was promised was enough to prevent significant problems that day. It was a very precarious place, very difficult time. And don't judge me. Uh, unless you were there in those circumstances, you have no idea. While we were inside the area, a gunshot rang out right after that. And all the crowd kind of goes, hits the ground, sort of. The 82nd guys all come up. I come up, bird dogging, trying to find out where it is. Somebody yelled, shot. And at that point in time, the lieutenant said, I'm going to consider taking the rice and beans and leaving. It's not, I don't think it's safe anymore. So before he did that, he stopped delivering rice and beans. And because of that, the crowd got angry. They were already, again, I, I feel for them to this very day, they were already impoverished and starving and struggling and the, the bad guys were getting most of the rice and beans, it seemed like to me. Uh, the distribution was not even. Um, matter of fact, one lady uh, that was struggling, I actually, the, the, when I threw the kid over the fence, I actually grabbed the bag from the lady and I told her to grab her dress or her blouse and pull it out. And I cut the bag of rice and I poured it into her blouse and then left the other bag on the ground and told her to go. And she at least went home with enough to feed herself and her family for a few days. When the crowd started to push the perimeter in anger, 
I mean, it was something I'd never seen in my life before. And I'd been in some violent confrontations, but nothing like this. Nothing where there's tens of thousands of people who are venomous and angry because we stopped feeding them. The lieutenant comes up to me and he says to me, he goes, you know, he goes, Jaeger, my call sign. He goes, if we have a problem here, he says, I'm gonna save my last round for myself. And I, you know, I, I was like, LT, that's kind of melodramatic. I said, what we're gonna do here is you're not gonna save your last round for yourself and we're not gonna engage anybody unless we have to. I said, we're gonna climb on top of the vehicles, climb on top of that roof right there on that house where that guy was pushed back in, get to the second story, and we're gonna fight our way until we have somebody come and help us, a larger element, because we had good comms, communications. And he said, okay, that's a good plan. So we started to withdraw from the area because of the, the potential violence that was starting. And we all had visions of Black Hawk Down in Mogadishu where the food drop went really bad and um, bad things happened that day. And as we got into the Humvees, we started to move through the crowds. And I don't know how to describe that. It was gnashing of teeth was the way I, is the way I could describe this. The anger and the venom. And again, I don't blame them for, because of their circumstances, but that doesn't mean that I wanna be pummeled to death or killed in an overrun food drop with the United Nations. Um, as we were peeling out, we were the last vehicle. The food trucks were squeezed between another Humvee up front and a few soldiers. I had three or four soldiers in the back of the Humvee with me. I was the only contractor on this food drop. And the people were at the back of the Humvee screaming obscenities at us about F you Americans, why won't you give us the food? And they were throwing things at us. And one of the soldiers turned and looked at me and he said, what do we do? And I was grateful at this time to have a little bit of gray hair because it helped. My testosterone levels were probably lower than theirs, which also helped. I told the young soldiers in the back of the vehicle, in the midst of this gnashing of teeth at the back of our vehicle and around the sides, I said, first and foremost, nobody gets on our truck, our vehicle, nobody. You push them off, you kick them off, you butt stroke them off, you don't shoot anybody, but you do not let them on the vehicle. I said, if lethal force is applied to us, we respond, but that's the last resort and what we don't wanna have happen. And I said, I want you guys to put the muzzles of your weapons into the bed of the truck, hold on to the hilt, to the, to the grip, and to the butt stock, make, posit, make it positive control, but look down at the vehicle. If you have sunglasses, put them on, and have your eyes look up at the back of the truck and the sides so you look like you're not a threat. Go zen. And this worked. As we slowly peeled out at about three miles per hour, one mile per hour it felt like and the people were screaming and going banana wannas we were able to extract ourselves from the area safely when we got to a safe location the lieutenant got together with his other uh, members of the other members of his brain trust and decided to go back again and to set up a harder perimeter and I went with him 
And this time it actually went better than it did the first time. Um, we didn't get overrun that time. We were able to distribute some food and get out of Dodge and then we went to another location and delivered tents. I was gone that day for about six or eight hours. When I got back, my buddy Bravo was like, what the heck happened? I guess I looked like I'd uh, kind of been run over by a truck, a little ragged. Uh, I was underprepared with my kit. I was not prepared for what was gonna happen. You, you never are. Uh, one of the best statements I ever heard in my life was from a combat veteran friend of mine. He said, you don't have time to prepare for something that's already happening. And I guess at the end of the day, that's the message. You don't have time to prepare for something that's already happening. With current world events and everything that's going on, you need to be prepared before they happen. And I'm not a doomsdayer, and I'm not very much of a conspiracy theorist. Although I do believe there is a huge conspiracy taking place in our country, I believe that there's an agenda by the enemies of our country, both within and without, that are trying to disrupt and overthrow the value of the American flag, the American dream, the purpose of our country, which is to propagate freedom and choice, liberty, and the right to own property, and to be safe and to prosper. I believe those are all under attack. I told John very, or Bravo at the time, his first name was John, I, I gave him very little dialogue. I said, look, I got overrun in the food drop. I was gone for, you know, way too long. I just need water. Then uh, I hydrated up and we went on some other missions and protected doctors and nurses and, and called it a day. In these times that are very uncertain, when we find ourselves in the middle of chaos, we have to try to exercise prudence and discipline. And if we have to go Zen, we go Zen. If lethal force is applied or threatened, we also have the right to respond in kind, to preserve and protect our lives and the lives of our friends and our mates and our communities. I believe that with my whole soul. I hope you have a beautiful day, a good week, weekend. I hope that you are prepared in every needful thing, both in food and water and mindset and training uh, to preserve your life and the lives of your mates and the life of and the su substantial impact that our country is supposed to yet have upon the world stage. Jaeger.